Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I hope that you're having a good day. I believe that it's April 18th as I'm recording. I don't know exactly when you will hear this. I don't know. It might be April 19th. We are not keeping up very well with our days during this pandemic. I don't want to spend a long time talking about the coronavirus today because I know that that's what you hear every time you turn on any kind of media. I do want to just pause and say that I think we as Christian women are learning some valuable lessons from it and I hope that you're jotting those down, you're putting scripture beside them so that We will not be going through this for naught. We will be going through it for spiritual growth and for the learning of patience, as James chapter 1 tells us that we do when we go through trials. Uh, Don't you know that the trial of your faith works patience? And I think that we're learning that. If I were to think about two or three of the top lessons that I think we've learned. Another one is from James. For me, certainly, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a city and buy and sell and get gain because you know not what will be on the morrow. And certainly every single person in these United States has learned during this pandemic that we know not what shall be on the morrow and that our plans can rapidly no matter how big those plans are no matter how many thousands of people are involved in those plans those plans can rapidly change because we are not sovereign and we are not in charge of our future so that would be one important lesson i think another one that's really hit home during this for all of us is that God's people are going to find ways to communicate and be together and encourage each other. I just have seen that play out throughout our country with regard to our teaching, with regard to our encouragement, with regard to our physical care of one another. God's people are going to find ways to minister to each other and to those outside of the church as well. I uh, just am awed and I know that there are some who are listening to this who have been given the bad news about cancer or who have been given the bad news even about COVID-19 or who have had family members to pass away during this event and funerals of course are limited to 10 people or 24 people or whatever it is at any given time but you have not i'll i'll just um pretty much be assured that you've not been alone through your struggling that there have been people even though there is this hunker down lockdown that we have there have been people who have been ministering to you and that's the way god's people are and certainly that has been a great comfort to so many of us i think that there are just multiple lessons another one is that people in general, not just God's people, but people are innovative. And we reach down inside of us and find the resources of innovation that we otherwise, and creativity that we otherwise might not have tapped into at times like this. Funny story, I read this on my sister's Facebook page today, and I remembered this story. Uh, We have an uncle in the family, he's gone on now, but he was very 
uh, funny. He was a comedian, and he didn't have to try to be a comedian. We laughed all the time that we were around him. But, you know, back during the days of World War II, there was a shortage of lots of things. And those days were not unlike our days that we're going through right now in some ways. I think they were harsher and for longer, and uh, people were more destitute in general than they are today. But there were some likenesses, and one of those was that there was rationing at the stores. There was rationing of paper, of rubber, of lots of things, of sugar, lots of things at the store. And so my uncle went into the store and asked if they had any toilet paper, somewhat like many of us have done today during this pandemic. But he went to the store and he asked if they had any toilet paper and they said no. And he said, okay, well then give me a hoop of cheese. You know, whatever works, people are innovative. So many things come to light during a time like this and we should be grateful even during the dark times for humor, but most of all for the great providence of our God and for our eternal hope above all. So we're in the book of Luke, and I want to take just a few minutes from Luke 5 with you because I think it's a power-packed seed, S-E-E-D, chapter. There are some things that occur in Luke chapter 5 that are going to become very important and I love to look at his glory as it emerges in infancy to something that's going to be much bigger. So let's look at chapter 5. And as we're looking at Luke chapter 5, let me turn over there again. Somehow in my study, I got over into Matthew. So Luke chapter 5. And as we're looking at Luke chapter 5, we see Peter there being called from his boat in beginning in verse 2, Jesus saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So we have these gruff fishermen who have been fishing all night. They're tired. They're washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. That's Peter's boat. And he asked Peter that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, Peter was being accommodating here. We don't have any um, idea here, really, that Peter at this point knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He just did this man a favor and launched his boat out a little bit into the water so that Jesus could turn around and teach. And I'm assuming then that maybe Peter went on maybe overseeing the washing of his nets while Jesus was teaching. He was a fisherman. But when Jesus finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Peter or Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down. And he said, Lord, Master, we really have fished all night. And I can imagine Peter thinking, well, I want to be nice to this man, but he doesn't really know what he's talking about. We fished all night and we have not caught anything. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So they went out a little bit deeper into the water. I've been in, in that sea, by the way. It's a large sea of Galilee, a lake, a large lake. And there's not any fishing there today because the Dead Sea is salinizing the water to the point where they're having to really work to keep the banks of the Sea of Galilee 
to the point uh, above sea level that they should be, or it may even be yeah, above sea level, I would say, at that point where they should be. And when they had done this, they're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. I was there last May. They caught a great multitude of fishes, and their nets broke. And so they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, and I think that would be James and John, that they should come and help them. And they came and they filled up both of their ships so that they started to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Whereas he didn't recognize before that this man was in, this was the Son of God, that he knew what he was talking about when he said, Launch out into the deep. Now he does. And he says, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. For he was astonished. And all those who were with him at the draught of the fishes, which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, Fear not, from now on you will catch men. And so when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. You know, we wonder about the moment of someone's conviction sometimes, of someone's decision for life that they're going to be faithful to God and sometimes those of us who have grown up in the church we don't have a particular moment when we look back and think well that's when I was convicted Peter did this was the moment of conviction for Peter now he's not always gonna stay true to his conviction as far as his actions are concerned sometimes he's going to cower down but this is the moment of his conviction and let me just tell you a seed of faith was planted here that was going to speak very boldly in Acts 2. We remember in Matthew 16 that Peter was the one who said to Christ that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered Peter and said, You've said it right, Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it upon that great confession that Peter made. And then Peter, and he said, I'm going to give you the keys that will unlock the kingdom. And then in Acts 2, that kingdom was unlocked with 3,000 souls being baptized. And it was the words of Peter and the rest of the apostles. But Peter is the one who's mentioned in Acts 2 as delivering that first gospel sermon, opening up the doors on that powerful day when the eternal purpose of God finally was fulfilled in the beginning of the church in Acts 2. Acts 2 is the center of the Bible. It's the crux. Everything before Acts 2 points to it and everything after Acts 2 looks back upon it. It is the crux of the Bible. Of course, based on the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel story being delivered for the first time in Acts 2. But it was here in Luke chapter 5, and we have it recorded elsewhere too, where Peter's first seed of faith was planted by Jesus Christ and the miraculous in Luke chapter 5. What does the Bible say about a little seed of faith that is planted? I think that's why I was over in the book of Matthew. If you look in Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 and 32 tells us there that faith is like a grain of mustard seed. That that little bitty seed can be planted and it can grow into a great tree that's big enough for the birds to come 
and build their nest in that tree. Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the greatest among herbs, and it becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake he to them in verse 33, The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Telling you what, this little seed that's planted in Peter right now, we're going to be reading about in First and Second Peter. We're going to be reading about through the book of Acts because Peter's faith was a little mustard seed here and it grew into something great for the kingdom of God. We also see a seed here for the, I want to say the false conviction that led to the cross, that was the catalyst for the cross. We see a seed for that being planted here in Luke chapter 5. You remember the paralytic um, beginning in verse 18 of Luke 5. The men brought in a bed in which was a man was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they couldn't find a way by which they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the middle of the room before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Well, this incensed the Pharisees and the scribes, and they started reasoning, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said, Why do you reason in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? So he is asserting that he is deity here in Luke chapter 5. And this is the first time in, in the book of Luke, I believe, that we see the Pharisees and the scribes rising up and saying, This man is a blasphemer. And they are going to hang on to that because they do not want a man coming in who is going to take away their power, who is going to make the people stop looking to the Pharisees for their teaching and for their traditions and start looking to this man who shows supernatural power, who is more and more obviously the Son of God. But the Pharisees are not liking that. They are not liking this grab of power that wasn't even Jesus wasn't grabbing power Jesus was simply being the son of God for the purpose which he came going to the cross and here we have the beginning of that catalyst and when he's arrested and taken before Herod and Pilate and the high priest they the accusation is going to be that he is a blasphemer the large false accusation is going to be that he is a blasphemer and the seed of that is planted here in luke chapter 5 and that seed is going to grow and grow throughout the lifetime of jesus we also have a seed of a teaching that's given in the book of james let's turn over to james but we have this theme especially in james chapter 2 about the common man and the rich man and it says in verse 1 don't have the faith of our lord jesus christ the lord of glory with respect to persons for if someone comes into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel and then there come in also a poor man in vile raiment 
And you have respect to him who wears the gay clothing and say to him, oh, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor, you stand over there, or you could, you could sit here under my footstool. Are you not then yet partial in yourselves, divided in your own minds, and are become judges with evil thoughts? Listen up, my beloved brethren. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he's promised to them that love him? And then he goes on to say, but the rich people are those who are uh, condemning of the gospel, who are oppressing you. And this chapter is really about how that the gospel at the foot of the cross the ground is level that's a a statement that i've heard since i was a child and certainly it made an impact on me when i first heard it and what it means is that at the foot of the cross there are no rich people there are no poor people there are no socially accepted people versus socially outcast people there are no awkward people versus popular people they're at the foot of the cross the ground is level and the seed of that principle that's going to emerge from your new testaments is also right here in luke chapter 5. the gospels also reiterate that the common people heard jesus gladly but let's look at this seed in luke chapter 5 teaching that the gospel is for everyone but generally speaking it is the common people not the famous and the rich not the glorious in the eyes of men but generally speaking it's the common people who are most receptive to the gospel luke chapter 5 verse 30 the scribes and the Pharisees murmured against Jesus' disciples, saying, Why are you eating and drinking with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said, Well, those who are whole don't need a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here we have that seed planted in Luke chapter 5. It wasn't necessarily the pharisees leaders the scribes that were going to be accepting of jesus it was those people who could see a need for dependency who could humble their hearts and who could say i need the gospel of jesus christ and finally i want us to notice our verse that has our glory in it i think there are a couple of those 25 and 26 but i wanted us to look at verse 25 this paralytic man who was lowered down through the roof and jesus healed him it says immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying god putting the attributes of god on display i want us to notice here that and please don't think that i'm minimizing our need for speaking in our evangelism in our outreach to other people but this man just took up his bed walked away glorifying god i'm not sure that he really was saying anything it says he just took up his bed went on his way and put the attributes of god on display for everyone to see did he have to say anything for the people around him to know that this miracle had been done and that Jesus was no ordinary man? 
I think that he was putting the attributes of God on display by the very fact that he picked up his bed and went to his own house. He was showing people that he had been affected by Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you this. If we've been affected by Jesus Christ, if we are Christians, if we've been baptized into Christ, should people be able to see the attributes of God even if we're not speaking about God at any given time? People should see in the way that we live that we've been affected by Jesus Christ. We should be glorifying God, not just in the things that we say, and it's necessary for us to talk, but we should be glorifying God every day just in the way that we're living. Just in our walk before men, people should see that we've been affected by Jesus Christ and His attributes should be clearly shown to them in the way that we live. Really glad that you listened today. I am praying that you are safe and healthy and that soon there are some of you with that I'll be able to just walk right up to and hug. Won't polishing the pulpit be a wonderful time? Let's make it to, and all of our worship assemblies in our separate places will be wonderful times, and I think they're coming soon. Have a great day for Him, and let's glorify Him whether we are speaking with one another face-to-face or not. Have a great day.